This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. We're going to hear first this week from Let George Do It. We'll hear Vultures on the Wing, their episode from May 9th, 1949. After that, it's Matthew Slade, Private Investigator, and Passage to Tangiers, his story from November 8th, 1964. Standard of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invites you to Let George Do It. Vultures on the Wing, another adventure of George Valentine. Personal notice, dangerous, my stock and trade. If the future shapes up like a condolence card with a big black border, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Dear Mr. Valentine, because of a stroke of extraordinary luck, an investment of $20,000 promises to yield me a half million. But the transaction must be closed swiftly, tonight. Because with so much money involved, there are naturally vultures on the wing. I sing in the colonnade room at the Savoy Wilton, but I shall be home this afternoon at three. It is convenient for you. Signed, Maria. You're concerned that there's something questionable about the proposition. Is that it, Mr. Valentine? No, I guess I'm just a creature of habit, uh, Mrs. Pernet, but... Uh... It's, it's Maria to the whole world. Then why not to you and Miss Brooks, of course? Oh, well, let's be real chummy and call me Brooksy. Uh, you were saying, George... Oh, just call me Georgie. Now, I was saying, uh, when 20 grand teases back a half million, I begin to drip with all kinds of doubts. Oh, it's all very legal and terribly simple. All right, you've written a lead. What about the rest of the story? Those vultures on the wing. Yes. Uh, four priceless paintings by Sebastian Zundert were sold to a very high-ranking general when the Nazis occupied Holland. Not sold? Yes. The owner was a collaborator. He had no scruples about dealing with the Nazis. So it was all very legal. Oh, go on. These four masterpieces passed from hand to hand by way of Portugal and Argentina to this country. They're still considered among the missing. But I'm in touch with the present owner, and he'll let me have them for $20,000. Huh? I can sell. Well, how did you and uh, Mr. X get together in the first place? That's where I think I've been very clever, Brooksy. From the Boulevard de la Croisée in Cannes to Ciro's on the Sunset Strip, wherever I've sung, I let my interest in the Zundert canvases be known to the right people. Isn't that a little like shooting blanks and not even having a target? Uh, I reasoned it had to be somebody in the international set. I was right. Last night, after two years, I received a telephone call. So you see... Um, just a minute, Maria. Huh? Oh, uh, Nick, I, I told you to stay in the library. This is a business conference. Well, why don't you have conferences with your husband? I graduated from the Harvard School of Business. Will you please leave us, Nick? No, we're going to have a conference. I don't want any strangers going to start by throwing this gentleman out. <laughs> now, hold it, will you, Buster? What have you been drinking? Singapore slings with vodka? Uh, let go of me. Nick, Nick, if you don't behave yourself. Yeah, I know. You'll leave me. 
Then what would I do when all the bottles got empty? Not in front of these people, Nick. Please. Uh, pride, self-respect. Most important, of course. Uh, go on with your conference, darling. That's better. You may not think so, but I did graduate from a Harvard School of Business. Forgive the interruption. But, uh, as I said, Joe, yeah? uh, the plan for tonight is terribly simple. You are to pick up the briefcase with the Zunditz in the colonnade room. You are my accident insurance to make sure that everything goes off smoothly. before you meet the man with the briefcase down in the lobby. Oh, this is just about my cue to go to the powder room with this briefcase full of old newspapers under my rack. Right. And on the way back, make certain everybody in the place knows you've got it. Do you really believe anybody will think we've made the swap in the powder room? This yet? operation is strictly cloak and dagger, Brooksy, so let's play along. Well, what have I been doing up to now? Well, the point is, if there are any interested parties in the offing, they'll stick right here with me and your briefcase. While you go downstairs and claim the other one and get over to Maria's. Well, here I go. I just hope my briefcase is <laughs> I was hoping the young lady would leave so I could have a moment with you, Mr. Valentine. Okay, I'll take out the stopwatch, friend. Running errands for Maria? Charming creature, isn't she? I'm Alfred Steger. Steger Art Galleries. Oh, so you know me. No, I've been lucky up till now. Maria the darling might very well become the proud owner of four perfectly breathtaking Zunderts tonight. You don't say. But the poor pet is always at such loose ends. She... Might very well lose these treasures. Then if by some chance they found their way to me, you might very well find yourself $5,000 richer. How did you get hold of the information, Steve? Good heavens, man, you should know. Hasn't Maria even mentioned my name? I really believe I feel slighted. Oh, you'll bounce back. Just because I'm considering double-crossing her doesn't mean I don't think the world of the dear girl. However... What have you to say about being $5,000 richer? Scruples, awkward things, always getting in the way. But think it over, Valentine. Ah, good evening, Steger. Oh, Van Brooklyn. Would you mind returning to your table so I could speak to Mr. Valentine? Uh, now look here, old man. Oh, please, boys, don't fight over me. Please do not make me ask you again, Steger. Oh, very well. I was quite through anyway. Oh, by the way, Van Berkeley. Yes? Why don't you drop around at my galleries? I have some excellent reproductions. Why do you speak to me of reproductions? Because these might fool even you, despite your reputation as a connoisseur. Good night. You belong in this act, too, Mr. Van Brooklyn? In a manner of speaking, I am to act, Mr. Valentine. Oh. If Maria has deemed advised to hire you to ensure the safe transfer of the Zundert canvases tonight, that is her affair. But I must make sure you understand one thing. Well, now, just understanding one thing would be a great improvement. The $20,000 Maria entrusted to you belongs to me. She is merely a commission agent. 
Someone I hired more than two years ago to make it known in the right places that I was in the market. I'd like to know who isn't in the market for those things. I myself am merely a representative of a syndicate. A group of men who intend to acquire those paintings at any cost. So it would be most sensible if you made sure they found their way to me. Mr. Van Brooklyn, at the moment I'm playing bouncy ball with Maria. Now, if you want to get in on the game, you'd better talk to her. Otherwise, somebody might get hurt. I see. Well, I am afraid I must leave you. Your lovely companion is returning. It was a great pleasure. Oh, don't mention it. Who was that sinister character with a beard? His eyes look like a couple of boiled onions behind those thick glasses. Who is it? Later, Brooksy, later. Let me have that. You can't say everybody in the place doesn't know I came back with a briefcase. I did everything but play catch with it. Yeah, I saw you. Now go on and get the one we really want. Yeah, okay, George. But be a nice, peace-loving decoy, darling. I want you back all in one piece. Okay, go on now, Angel. Get on your tricycle. Yeah, okay. See it, Maria. Nice run you've got there, Valentine. Well, thank you. I've got very good taste. Except in the kind of people I seem to attract to this table. Why don't you be satisfied? Stay away from Maria. How are you, Buster? And don't tell me I can find out at any post office by just looking at your picture front and side. Maybe you've heard of me, Jim Fowler. <laughs> I hope you noticed I just went pale. Hey. Now you shut up all over and listen. Maria and me are friends. Good friends, Catch. That's cozy, Fowler. I want you to stay away from her, and I want that briefcase you picked up for her tonight. I'll give it to her dressing room. As you were, Jim. Reach like that again, and you're going to leave some fingers on that table when you say goodbye. You're not very smart, Valentine. On your way, Pixie. I got things to do. You heard me in the car. Are you the muscle boy for Van Brooklyn, Steger, or Fowler? Get inside, or you're going to collect yourself a lot of holes that'll spoil your appearance. And give me that briefcase. Suppose I pouch. You're not going to shoot me down on the street, are you? Try me. Get wise, stupid. You're playing with the older boys now. Get in. Hey, Brooksy, what happened? Uh, it's all pretty vague, George. I got here just before you, George. Hurried here after my last show. I found her on the floor. Yeah. And and the paintings she brought, they're gone. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Hey, you sure you're feeling better now, Angel? Yes, darling, I think so. Well... I came right here, just as you told me. Then when I opened the door, it, it was all dark. And then, zombie, somebody hit me. Uh-huh. Hey, has your husband Nick been over there like that all the time? I don't know. I found him that way with his head down on the table. He's no good to anybody. George, you don't look fresh as a buttercup yourself. Where have you been? Somebody wanted a briefcase full of newspapers so bad they floated me out of town. I had to walk back till I got a cab. Oh, but the pictures... I told you, I told you we'll get to that. And the next time around, I'm going to get the truth from you. Right now, I want to see if your husband here knows anything we ought to know. All right, you. Hey, Burnett. Come on, Burnett. Snap out of it. Come on, sit up in the chair. Nick! George! Yeah. One of our friends fixed it so that Nick will be stone cold on the hottest day in July.
return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. If you're driving a new car, you're probably getting a lot of pleasure out of its smooth performance. But wait until you try a tank full of new, improved Chevron Supreme gasoline. It gives car performance to delight the heart of every motorist. Thanks to special blending agents, new Chevron Supreme gives your car faster starts and faster warm-ups. It gives your car new alertness in traffic, ping-free power to lift your car over hills. In fact, for today's high-compression engines, you can't buy a better gasoline. And premium-quality Chevron Supreme is climate-tailored. So wherever you drive in the West, no matter what the temperature or altitude, you'll agree new Chevron Supreme gets the best out of your car. Try a tank full tomorrow. Get it at standard stations and at independent Chevron gas stations, where they say, and mean, we take better care of your car. Back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine, a glamorous lady known simply as Maria to the international smart set, sends you on an errand, namely to drop off 20 grand and pick up four paintings. Then various and sundry personalities start double-crossing each other all around you to snare the above-mentioned canvases, and as an added Philip, Maria's husband is found stabbed to death. Momentarily, you bide your time, which if you're anything like George Valentine, you devote to cerebral contortions while Lieutenant Riley does the talking. Uh, Mrs. Burnett, did your husband know all three of them? I mean Ben Brooklyn, Steger, and Fowler? Yes, more or less. Uh-huh. Well, I've got an all-points bulletin out for them. We'll have their stories in the morning. Right now, I want to get the picture here straight. Now, uh, Miss Brooks. Yes, sir. You're sure there isn't anything you forgot to tell us? No. It, it was dark. I hardly got in the door. Then I thought I saw somebody looking at me. Well, then that may be imagination. I came here directly from the Savoy. Well, anybody can tell you okay, that I... Okay, Mrs. Burnett, okay. Nobody is questioning your alibi. Uh, anything else, Miss Brooks? Come on, think hard, Brooksy. Yeah, well... Just as I passed out, I... I... I remember hearing a loud noise. Uh-huh. A crash of some kind. That's all. Hey, Riley, that means the lamp on the stand over there were knocked over when the murderer was leaving. And not in the struggle with Burnett. Uh, back to the same thing. They both knew each other and there was no struggle. But, Valentine, maybe you can explain something else to me. Hmm? The bloodstains near the foyer door and Burnett lying with his head on the table a good dozen feet away. How did he make the trip with the knife in him, and why no signs of blood in between? Yeah, I've been kicking that around too, Riley, but it keeps bouncing back at me. Yeah. Well, we leave the whole thing until tomorrow when I know a lot more than I know right now. Well, good night. Oh, uh, you'd better stay put, Mrs. Burnett. Oh, we'll come along with you, Lieutenant. Uh, May I see you a moment, George? I'll be right there, Brooksy. Yeah, Maria? You're not walking out on me, are you? I, I need you more than... I need you more than ever now. I can't imagine you needing anybody. But if it's going to make your dreams any sweeter, I'll be seeing you in the morning. Better get your story straight. (laughs) 
know you are very anxious to speak with Maria Valentine. But I thought it would be wise if I talked to her first this morning, uh, so there would be no misunderstanding. What does he mean, Maria? I'm sure Mr. Van Brooklyn tends to tell you that himself. But first, may I explain this patch of court plaster on my cheek? Ah, looks like somebody set out to make a veal cutlet out of your nerves. Unfortunately, the thugs who attacked me took my word that I do not have that under, so I know where they are, which is true. Sounds like Fowler's boys on the job. The important thing is to restate the bargain I made with you, Maria. A liberal bonus if you located the paintings, and to consummate the deal, $20,000 at your disposal, for which I have a receipt. What have you got to say, Maria? Perhaps she will speak more freely after I leave. Just remember, Maria, I expect you to produce the money or the pictures. All right, sweetheart. Let's scrape off all the fine-fingered intrigue and see what we've got here. Oh, George. George, I... I've been so alone. So frightened. No fun getting caught in your own squeeze, is it? Come closer. Yeah. George, I'm in love with you. Mother, you must be really scared to stagger into that routine. Don't talk like that. I suppose now I'm expected to rush out and get those undits for you. That's a lie. I, I swear I was thinking of us. What the future would be like with all that money. Which wouldn't belong to you. Now, let me tell you what the score is. I sent Brooksy over to Steger's galleries to ask a few questions, and I... Mm. Mm. Well... well... Don't give me that used-up smile. I'll admit that's one from my memory book. We're still in business. I'll let you know when I'm taking in my son. Now, you listen. I've measured all the angles, Maria, and I think I know the setup. Maybe even a little better than you do. I'm listening. About two years ago, Fowler slithered into your life. He was the kind of tough-minded male you liked. An exciting contrast to Nicky Boy, who was always lit up like a busy switchboard. No character analysis, darling. Just the facts. What if I told you your boyfriend moved in on you, shoulder holster and all, after working out a deal with Van Brooklyn? What? But they don't even know each other. I'm guessing it was Fowler who sicked the Dutchman on you. To suggest you pass the word about the pennies to your friends. The former black marketeers, the run-down royalty, the professional sophisticates. You can't make me believe that. Those two had split the fancy fee Van Brooklyn Syndicate was willing to pay. That is, if one or the other wouldn't work a double cross. Why, those two conniving... Makes sense, doesn't it? But then you and Brother Steger were going to pull a fast one, too. As an art dealer, he can not only okay the pictures, but find the right market for them. Really? Then you could pay back the 20 grand and say you weren't going to play anymore. Very well. I admit that. <laughs> but there's more for you. Steger was all primed to cross you. What? Made me a proposition. 5000 if I delivered those masterpieces to him. <laughs> what an unholy mess. And if it's all... If it's all true. Listen, George. If you play this right, you can still... <gasps> what? Hello, Fowler. I told you to stay away from her, Valentine. Bad memory. One of my worst thoughts. Go over him, Batsy. See if he's carrying a rod. Stand still while I fin you, bud. Never mind. Here you are. Jim, what are you going to do? We'll talk later. Hey, look at this fancy heater this guy cuts around, Mr. Fowler. Look at me. I'm the Green Hornet. I got a whole army coming at me. But I go... Where did you pick that up, Fowler? That's he is missing a couple of brain cells. He reads too many comic books. But he does what I tell him. That's all that matters. Valentine, where are those pictures? I got the same story I gave your boys last night. I wouldn't know. Jim... Is it true about you and Van Brooklyn? Sure. Like I said, we'll talk later. 
Patsy. Yeah, Mr. Fowler? Drag this paper over to my hotel. Keep him there. He's got a lot of talking to do. If he doesn't, he's not going to walk back from this ride. Look at me now. Oh, please, please. No more, Patsy. Now, will you stop waving that gun? Now I'm the heavyweight champion. Bam, biff, bang, hit down. One, two, three, four. Hey, 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 Patsy. There's somebody at the door. What? Oh, hey, one squawk out of you, and you know what you get. I know, I know. What's more, I believe. What you want, sister? I'm here to clean up Mr. Fowler's suite. I ain't got all day, you know. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, I didn't know you had company. Oh, but I can clean around the gentleman if he'll just cooperate. Wow, you're a cute kid. How about you cooperating with me? We might get places together. Oh, fresh, ain't you? Uh, come on, come on. Make a snappy and get through. Gee, you've got a funny voice, mister. Huh? Oh, didn't you know? You're talking to a frog with a man in his throat. Now, listen here, you... He looks like an overgrown meatball to me. That's all from you, babe. He looks like a punch-drunk spider with a hot foot. <laughs> I warned you, babe. Now I'm going to play marbles with them pretty blue eyes. George! That's it. Oh! Get polite to turn your back on it. Yes! Oh! <laughs> Jeepers. Did you see the size of his hands, Easy, George? Wait till I get his gun. Hey, you were oh, terrific, my. Angel. What blessed little voice guided you from Steger's over here? Steger's own sweet falsetto. Huh? Well, when I walked into his galleries, I heard Steger screaming blue murder in the back. Somebody was giving him a going oh, over. Oh, was really covering territory today. And then I heard Steger cry out your name. Yeah. Then somebody said Fowler was taking care of you at his hotel. I mumbled something and backed out of the place. Oh, if I had the time, Angel, I'd kiss you. Oh, I ought to get something for the five bucks I slipped the chambermaid. Now we got to give this place a double quick canvas for those Zunderts. Yeah, but if they were here, George, why would Fowler be picking up assault and battery charges all over the city? I don't know, Brooksy, but there are a couple of weird angles that keep popping up in my mind like three blind mice. Such as? Well, never mind now. Get on the phone and ask Riley to get our all-star cast at Maria's. <laughs> Ladies and uh, <clears throat> gentlemen, you will notice that one member of our little group is missing. Yes. That's Mr. Steger. Why, uh, in the morgue. <gasps> what? Yes. Yes, your uh, gunsels put a little much in, too much enthusiasm in their work, Fowler. You're not turning this on me, Lieutenant. And I'm clamming up till I see my lawyer. That's your constitutional right. Mm. Uh, let me have those paintings, Valentine. Yeah, Lieutenant. You found them. They're mine. I can produce a receipt for the money I advanced Maria. Where'd you find them? Where were they? In your place, Buster. Right under a neat pile of your monogrammed undies. Which adds up to this. Fowler, I'm holding you for the murder of Nick Burnett and Steger. Can I uh, call my lawyer? I don't know what you were trying to get out of Steger, but that'll come out in time. Wait, Lieutenant. Yeah? Somebody planted those pictures in his apartment. What? Well, what do you mean? But that sounds crazy, George. Why? Maybe mine here, Van Brooklyn, can tell us. I? Who was willing to spend a fortune to secure those thunders? Yes, Valentine, that doesn't make much sense. Oh, but it does, Lieutenant, it does. With Fowler framed for murder, you wouldn't have to split with him, Van Brooklyn. The paintings were found to find their way back to you. You have legal ownership. Maria's receipt. Absurd. Mere speculation. When Miss Brooks walked in here last night, she thought she saw two eyes staring at her. 
They were the glint from those egg-sized lenses you use for glasses, Van Brooklyn. That's right, George. Oh, I'm sure... The noise Miss Brooks heard after she was hit was you crashing to the floor with a table in the vase. That's when you got that gash in the cheek. Nobody's been slamming you around. Then... Then it was his blood in the foyer, not Burnett's. Yeah. The lab tests will prove that beyond any doubt, Riley. You're pinned down like a butterfly, Van Brooklyn. (laughs) Well, what's the joke? These pictures. People have bought and sold them, degraded their souls and spilled blood for them ever since I first put them on the market in Europe. What of it? Just this. They did it because these are masterpieces. Art in its most sublime form. I know of this because I have followed their trail across the world. There's no syndicate. No one but me. I want them back. And do you know why? Because I painted them myself. Oh, listen. Yes, yes. I fooled the entire art world. The greatest hoax in the history of art. With my failing eyesight, I knew I would never paint again. But I would have these as a tribute to my talents. Yes. And after I died, they would be accepted as the best things soon that ever did. Please. Valentine, it would be possible for me to keep them with me until the day. I don't know why not, Van Brooklyn. You've paid for them. No, Brooksy, Fowler's goon squad merely gave Steger a good roughing up. And Brooklyn delivered the coup de grace. Oh, George, the reason sounds fantastic, even though I know it's true. Yeah, Van Brooklyn was that fabulous character the papers were full of after the war. He sold a million dollars worth of fake art to Goering and company. Steger recognized him despite the beard. Yeah, this shindig takes the cake for pure, concentrated finagling. <laughs> yeah, awful tempting, all that, though. Mm. Hey, no, Angel, just out of curiosity, what would you do if you found a half million bucks? Oh, well, let's see. Well, if it belonged to a poor person, I'd return it. To a poor... Okay, don't explain it. The pain will go away in a few minutes. For the greatest motoring pleasure you've ever enjoyed, let me remind you again of new Chevron Supreme gasoline. For today's high-compression engines, you just can't buy a better gasoline. That's because new Chevron Supreme gives your car faster starts. It gives your car faster warm-ups, too. New pep in heavy traffic driving. Power to lift your car over the hills with never a ping. And it's a premium-quality gasoline that's climate-tailored. That means it's specially blended for each different altitude and temperature zone in the West. So wherever you drive, try a tank full of new Chevron Supreme, and you'll agree it gets the best out of your car. Get it at independent Chevron gas stations and at standard stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. (laughs) 
Next week, when we again catch up with George Valentine, we'll hear an incredulous Brooksy say... Oh, don't be so smug, George. Didn't you hear me? The man wants you to prove he's a murderer. Well, no accounting for taste, Angel. Oh, he must be crazy. Maybe, maybe. Well, no sane person would write a letter like that. Jim, he raised a very interesting question. He wants to know if I'm an imbecile. What do you think, Brooksy? Are you going to take this letter seriously? Huh? Hmm. Then the answer to his question is yes. adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and Standard stations throughout the West. Robert Bailey is starred as George with Francis Robinson as Brooksy. Wally Mayer appears as Lieutenant Riley. Let George Do It is written by David Victor and Herbert Little Jr. and directed by Don Clark. Also heard in the cast were Maria Palmer as Maria, Ted DeCorsia as Van Brooklyn, Leo Cleary as Steger, Ed McDonald as Fowler, Barney Phillips as Nick, and Frank Richards as Batsy. The music is composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter, your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Starlight Mystery Theater, and another episode in the series, Matthew Slade, Private Investigator. We invite you to take your seat as Slade unfolds, Passage to Tangier. In my job, the hours are odd. So are the circumstances and the people I meet. You could even call some of them dangerous. My calling card reads, Matthew Slade, Private Investigator.
Up until its independence in 1956, Morocco was split into three zones, French, Spanish, and the international zone of Tangier. That's where I was sent to meet them. At my office in San Francisco, I'd received an envelope postmarked Kashmir. Inside were five $1,000 bills, an airline ticket, and a note that read, Your services required immediately. Enclosed part payment. Kindly meet us on the 23rd instant. Hotel Cartage, 14 Place Malatop, Tangier. It was signed, Mr. Peters and Associates. It is now the 25th. I'd arrived in Tangier two days ago and checked into the hotel as directed. There was no Mr. Peters registered, nor was one expected. I waited three more days. Still no Mr. Peters. It was the 28th. I was in the cartridge bar sampling a brandy, lime, and soda. A bellhop handed me a telegram. It, too, had been sent from Kashmir. It read, Unfortunate delay. Stop. Arriving tomorrow, the 29th. Stop. Mr. Peters and Associates. I downed the last of the brandy and soda, winked at a cute-looking French girl sitting alone at the bar, and then retired to my room. I'd been in bed about two hours. Suddenly, the lights went on. I turned my head, looking up into the muzzle of a Webley automatic. I, sir, am Mr. Peters. Mr. Peters. Short, overly large. He wore an outdated, double-breasted white suit, the kind they make up in Hong Kong for $10. He wore a fez. From behind thick, black, horn-rimmed glasses popped huge brown eyes. Over by the door stood a tall, lean, good-looking man of about 55. He was decked out in a British officer's uniform, the kind they wore in India at the turn of the century. He carried a swagger stick. A black patch covered his left eye, a monocle his right. He held a piss helmet under his arm. He looked like something out of Gunga Din. So, you're Peter. Welcome to Tangier. Uh, and if you don't mind... Uh, would you remove that instrument from my face? It was a sort of test, so you passed with flying colors. I'd been unhappy to find I'd hired the services of a man who cringed at the sight of a revolver confronting him. You, sir, did not blink an eye. I like that. Then uh, I'll say it again. You passed with flying colors. Would you agree to that, Jack? Flying colors, Peters, oh boy. Come forward, Captain. I am Captain Jack O'Shaughnessy of Australia. I, sir, standing alone. My cup was raised, face fifty of the demons as they came charging through the park. I, sir, unafraid of... Yes, 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 Captain. Mrs. Slave will hear about that some other time. We've got twenty minutes to make our connection. Connection? Uh, we leave immediately for Zagora. I you will be kind enough to dress and gather your belongings, sir. Oh, would you kindly get that gun out of my face? I wouldn't hesitate to wound you, should you not mind. Immediately, sir. And you're a member of my company and disobeyed such an order? I'd have had you horsewhipped. I tell you, Peters, in the yes, old days. Yes, 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 Captain. You go on down to the front desk and take care of Mr. Clay's account. Don't talk about it. These young people need a room. Is he all right? Jack? Oh, oh yes, yes. He likes to go back into the past. Martha, our train departs in 16 minutes. Shall we proceed? <laughs> Ah, what is 
train, conductor. Now, uh, oh, come, Mr. Slade, Captain, quickly. Will it be asking too much of you gentlemen to inform me as to where we're going? Uh, shall we begin by beginning at the beginning? And the man... If you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I, I have to... You'll find it to your left, Captain. Uh, thank you, Peter. As I was about to say, a man worth knowing is a man worth knowing. Get to the point. It's like it. We require the services of a man of strength, a man of cunning, one able to think fast, uh, take command of the situation at hand, one able to use his fist and, if necessary, a gun. We, sir, are embarking upon a most dangerous journey, one that may entail the loss of life. Whose life? Well, let us say that uh, that will depend upon you. I don't know who's more confused at this point, me or that half-witted captain. Now, don't let Captain Jack hear you express that term. He can be mighty dangerous when provoked. And so, I say to you, it is I, Captain Jack. I've returned. I left Australia as a young shaver to join the Bengal Lancers. I served most of my time in the interior of India, fighting tribesmen sworn to wipe out British rule. In 1940... I enlisted with an Australian force in the Middle East in the fight against Rommel. At the close of the war, I became a man of the world, a, a regular soldier of fortune, you might say. I served under many flags. I'm presently a dealer in artifacts. Well, that's how I met Peter. Yes, that was in Damascus, crossroads of the world. I was born and raised in that city of cities. There I met the captain. Oh, right by accident. Uh, we were both at an auction, bidding on a bronze falcon, bidding against one another, each pushing the price higher and higher. The good captain whispered in my ear that friendly suggestion we pool forces and purchase the falcon together. Right. Yes, we did. We then formed a partnership, later selling the falcon as a handsome copy. About a month ago, we were in Istanbul. The captain read of a series of valuable artifacts that had been buried in various places throughout the world by Mussolini. One item of particular interest to us was a gold medallion, a full eight inches in diameter. On good authority, reported to be worth in excess of, in your currency, one million dollars. Should we find it, you will be in for a third. Then it's the medallion we're after. Correct. It bears the name Medallion Remeli Hazar, which translated means medallion of death. It carries with it a curse. Sudden and unexplainable death has befallen all who have owned it. Anyway, the medallion has passed through the hands of some 11 owners. For 30 years or so, it just disappeared altogether. It turned up in India in 1908, in Egypt in 1913, then it was purchased by Shah Agra Mahal of Persia in 1990. How'd it get out here? But during the war, it was stored for safekeeping by Mussolini. You know the exact spot? Proximate spot, yes. We extracted that information from a former Mussolini aide. Yes, he ran into the man in Istanbul a few weeks ago. During the war, he was captured in the desert by an Australian patrol and brought in for questioning. Captain Jack was the interrogating officer. He learned that the man had been sent by Mussolini and by Gora to bury a treasure. By strange coincidence, the captain spotted him in Istanbul hotel lobby working as a porter. He'd been hiding out in Istanbul trying to save sufficient money to get the Zagora to retrieve the medallion. He managed to get him to draw a map of the area where he buried the medallion. He was to give it to us in return for our silence about his part, and one-third interest in whatever we reclaimed from the sale of the medallion. Our cagey Italian gave us the slip, 
before we'd seen his map. We found him hiding out in Sirenaga. We confronted him with his treachery. Right then and there, we made him draw us another map and hand it over. How come he's not with you? Cap mysteriously disappeared. Where is it we're going? To a small oasis some 40 miles south of Zagora. You know, it should take us five days. Ah, I see we're arriving at Sidi Bu Afma. Shall we light and partake of breakfast? Arriving at Fez around noon, Peters was sitting beside me reading Cairo on 250 a day. The captain was sleeping. I peered through the window, watched the barren countryside pass as the train rocked its way south. The motion and the heat of the day were getting to me. I dozed, was awakened by Peters tugging at my arm. Hey, come, we must leave the train. Fez. Ancient city of beauty. We stopped barely an hour, long enough to pick up equipment, hire a car, and driver. Our route led us southwest. The heat was becoming unbearable. Peter's huge frame was perspiring profusely. The captain was up front, humming, waltzing Matilda. The heat didn't seem to disturb him in the slightest. The guide for the past hour had been driving at breakneck speed along the single-lane road. A blowout. Pump the brakes, don't jam them on. We'll all be killed, Peters. Oh, shut up, Jack. Shut up. Fortunate. Fortunate indeed. Rather exciting, wouldn't you say, Peters? Uh, uh. Now let's give him a hand to remove that wheel. Sindara. Sindara. Shield. Danger. By God, we're in for trouble. The horse. It's Sindara in his van. Assemble the machine gun. Travelers, I am Sindara. Speak of it, You have wares to trade. Why do you hide behind those guns? Sindara, friend, come forward. No harm should be done here. I say we let go with a jolly round of fire. Keep that gun trained on them. I'm an American. These are my friends. We're traveling to Zangora. We we do not carry anything to trade. Ah, American. American very rich. You have money, jewelry. No, neither. Ah, no money. Strange how you rent car, buy food. We have a few francs, nothing that amounts to anything. I don't believe you're talking that a lie. I search. Just mounting that horse I'll put a bullet through you. <laughs> you give the order to Tendara. You shoot me, my men will kill you and your friends. We have you outnumbered. You give us money, we give you your lives. Look, let's avoid trouble. You take your men and ride off. You are in no position to give order, American. I give order. I think we just kill you. Captain, give them a warning first. We will be back, American. They take your head. Arrived at Kimifra at sundown, checked into a small hotel situated in the heart of the market area. Peter set about hiring a Sengalese porter, mules, and six Bedouin tribesmen as an escort. We were in Peter's room, charting our course. Lieutenant Verrier, Administrative Service, Holland Museum. Come in, Lieutenant. A fellow officer. I salute you, sir. And I, you, sir. Am I you, sir? Yes, 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 Captain. That's enough of that. Now, oh, what can we do for you, sir? It has come to my attention. You intend making a trip to Sagora? It's extremely dangerous crossing for farmers, unescorted. You'd be well advised to wait for the regular caravan. Oh, the caravan doesn't leave for another five weeks. We can't wait that long. I see. 
Then, gentlemen, if you insist upon making this trip, I cannot be responsible for your safety. We'll be all right, Bob. I have heard that from many who have set out alone. For some, the trip was successful. And for the others? Waylaid, killed. I trust this will not be your fate. Arm yourselves well, and good luck. You will surely need it. like the officer's barracks. Now, this will be all right. At dawn, sir. Let's lose no time to seek out our little <laughs> dingus, the medallion Romeli Hazard. Abdul! Say there, say there. Yes, the hot boss. What are all these people doing here and these animals? Berbers, the hot boss. Berbers? Where did they come from? From Africa, hot boss. They have lived here many centuries. Yeah, I know that, you fool. I mean, where did this bunch come from and who let them in? They come during the night. From where, I do not know. How dare you let strange people into the fort without my approval? Mother, a thousand apologies. Abdul will not want to disturb you, fat boss. Now, will you stop calling me fat boss? Yes, boss. Get that goat away from me. Look, it's trying to eat my shoe. Tell her, tell her, Now, what's all the commotion, Peter? Well, oh, Abdul let this wandering tribe in here. Could be mighty dangerous. Good morning, dear friends. Isn't it a glorious morning? Oh, shut up, Jack. Let's get on our way. Another couple of hours and that sun will be boiling us alive. Do you have the map, Captain, or has the goat eaten under my gun belt? Abdul will take uh, three tribesmen with us and the Sengalese porter. The others will remain. Oh, sorry, I got you, Mookie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you betcha. All right, let's mount up. We crossed the Moroccan frontier into Algeria. We were now 20 miles or so south of the fort and well into the Sahara. The mid-morning sun was firing off its burning rays. Sudden stabs of pain made me double up. I felt feverish. The hot red rays of the sun blinded my vision. The sand began to ripple. It roar like a huge surf. And that was the last thing I seem to remember. I was slowly brought to consciousness by the sound of someone digging. I was in a small oasis. A duel in the three tribesmen who stretched out the back of camera. Peter and Jack were by the waterhole studying the map. The Sengalese was waist deep in a hole, shoveling out sand. I rose, 
That's double talking. Hey, good to see you up and about. You look as though you're having much luck. Well, I can't understand it unless the Italian tricked us again. Peter, he's uncovered something. A small chest. Caution, man. Easy with it. Easy. Now, you give it to me. Uh, go on. Now, you join the others. It's locked, Peter. Yeah, force it open with this. Fortune lies in our hands, and by right of possession, it's all ours. Think of it, man. We are holding in excess of a million dollars. Popping off, boy. Popping. Mm. A rare specimen. A beauty, indeed. And it's all mine. Ours, Peter. Hmm? Ours. Oh, yes, Captain. How right you are. Ours. <laughs> you say it's solid gold? Oh, solid gold. Through and through. Uh, let's return to the fort. I don't want to spend another night out here. Uh, Abdul, get up, you lazy blighter. Get everything packed. We're moving out. The medallion looked impressive and real. But something bothered me about it, something I couldn't pinpoint. It was dusk when we arrived back at the fort. Thin columns of smoke from the Berber campfires rose and trailed off into the night. Close the gates. Captain, get that machine gun out here. Abdul, can we count on the Berbers? Yes, sir. Line them up around the wall and have the Bedouins cover the gates. Yes, yes. Count the gun over here, Captain. Here they come. Yes, about a hundred of them. Oh, you demon. Look at the run. <laughs> come back, you coward. Hold your fire. Abdul, tell the Berbers to hold their fire. Hello, hello. They're regrouping. There they come. Oh, you've got them. I don't think they'll trouble us anymore tonight. Now, Captain, you take over. I'm going down to get some sleep. You'd better stay with them, Peters. Wake me at dawn, and I suggest you leave the medallion with me. It'll be safer in our quarters. Uh, safer with me alone. Uh, as you wish. Peters wasn't about to trust anyone with his prized medallion. He had it out the moment we reached our quarters. Feel the sheer wealth. Doesn't it give you the strangest feeling to hold a million dollars in your hand? Yeah. Touch it. Ah, be careful. Hold on to it, man. Ah, oh, I can see that it was too much for you. Uh, pass it back to me. Let's put it away for safekeeping. The effects of sunstroke were still with me. The moment I hit the sack, I was out. I slept a full 24 hours. I was awakened by Peters tugging at my arm. Wake up, man. Wake up. Uh, what is it? What is it? The captain and I have come to say goodbye. Goodbye? What do you mean goodbye? Where are you going? Arrangements were made in Tangier for a small plane to pick us up on the 12th. That's today. Uh, the plane seats only four. And through an oversight, I failed to mention that there would be three people to take out. Uh, the pilot brought along his wife. And, well, uh, understandably, he refuses to leave her behind. One of us must stay. You can't leave me here. Oh, have to, sir. Must. I'm leaving you an additional five thousand dollars to cover any necessary expenses you may incur along the way. Oh. Abdul will see you back to Kenipa, and you can take a car to Fez and the train to Tangier. As promised, uh, when we sell the medallion, one third will be sent to you. I've enjoyed having you along. You're a man after my own heart. It's been fun. <laughs> yes, yes, fun. Well played, my hat, and thank you, sir, for everything. Good luck, old boy. You've been a jolly good sport about it all. Goodbye, gentlemen. Abdul. Yes, boss. 
You wouldn't happen to have a camel going to Tangier, would you? Plenty mad, boss. Tribesmen leave us for Sutcross Paint of Off. They steal my camels, leave me one donkey. Yes, that's what I thought. Well, we can take turns at riding. <laughs> you plenty funny, boss. Don't have donkeys. Stolen by Baba. Oh, no. Well, it's only a ten-mile walk to Zagora. Come on, I'll buy you a drink. Dateline, San Francisco. Today I got in from Tangier exactly two months following that fateful day I received a telegram from Kashmir. If I ever run into those two angels, that's the way they'll end up. Angels. Oh, I nearly forgot uh, the medallion. It was a fake. When I accidentally on purpose dropped it, a fine crack appeared. I've been told solid gold doesn't do that sort of thing. I wonder how Peters and Jack reacted when they found out. If you happen by my office and see a sign that reads, Don't call me, I'll call you. I know you'll understand. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Case closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Be back next Wednesday with another hour. In between now and then, you can find more from Let George Do It, Matthew Slade, Case Closed, all the other podcasts, thousands of other old-time radio episodes, and a shoutcast stream, all at relicradio.com. If you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed. Thank you.